Hello, hi there. It's the Overnight Scape Central once again, and uh, you may have guessed it. Yes, I am PQ River, and uh, at least as of now, we will be hearing from our good friend and uh, musical collaborator, among other things, uh, Eddie. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's been so active on the channel lately, which is good because uh, as much as I am intending. Uh, it, it's the things are shifting around here uh a lot of good uh a lot of this oh boy uh and uh yeah the overnightscape central uh this week uh as we uh gather here together is on seeing oh and and chad bowers uh has uh sent us something which i did not see before so uh yes we have a, a trio of contributors and i am sure I, too, will have something to say about seeing. Uh, seeing, however, I mean, I'm going through a bunch of different seeing things. Hopefully, tomorrow, I am getting my new prescription glasses because I've been going around with a scratchy old prescription uh, while I first waited for a proper eye exam, and then the glasses are coming but, uh, yeah, seeing is, it, it really is a good thing. And uh, a cloudy or foggy or unclear seeing on that level uh, is unpleasant. But, of course, uh, seeing has a much deeper and richer meaning in a kind of spiritual or paranormal way. And uh, we'll be talking about all kinds, I am sure, as uh, we go forward here on this episode of the Overnightscape Central. Um, as I said, Eddie is here, and uh, we should indeed start with Eddie. Thank you, PQ River. Uh, I come through your satellite to give you a message. I am channeling through the brain of Eddie. And I have a message for all of humanity. Since I am can see, I am a seer of all humanity. I know the Anunnaki and all of your brethren. And my message is to follow your soul's purpose. And uh, make sure that you can be happy doing the things you like to do. And you need to be in the place of your center within your soul. Always find your center where you are most comfortable is where you can bring most peace to the world. Bidi, bidi, bidi. Next message coming through from another star system. Message number two. Well, hello there. I'm 
Galactic Lightyear chattering through as I can I'm also a seer I see things for the path of humanity and the many paths and timelines that you are now on and I'm speaking to you in this timeline France will be very important in in this timeline the French are going to have a very big impact in your world the Europeans as you know them to be however you think you have achieved nuclear prowess in your military but this is just a drop in the ocean compared to the power of your son next message coming through intergalactic galaxy hello I'm Princess Margaret and I going through the galaxies looking at all I see all the different worlds and I see your world the earth in the Milky Way but there are many more worlds in the Milky Way you are still not even aware of in your own neighborhood galactic neighborhood so I invite you to search on your radios in between the different frequencies and you can hear them if you listen quietly mini mini bop another message coming through message number four Hello, I am the great wizard in the sky, it is me, the other wizards, you can't see us, but we're in the sky, some of us are good wizards, some of us are bad wizards, and we're battling it out in your very own sky and planet earth, in your atmosphere. It is a different dimension, but yet we are one. We are also in the same dimension. It's a crossover, a bit like a pie graph. Do 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 do. Next message coming through. Message number five. Ah, uh, yes. You earthlings. On one hand, you think you have it all figured out. On the other hand, you know you haven't got a clue. Welcome 
to the galactic conundrum. Uh, we are from Galaxy P9, just across from Beetlejuice, and we have grown to understand the culture of Earthlings and many other planets like the Zeptozoids and the Meandercoids and then the Flea Lumps they're all very fine individuals however humans are on a path to destruction and need to reconcile. They need to do more parties and barbecues or vegetarian barbecues if you're vegetarian is fine. And you don't need to drink alcohol parties anymore. You can just drink non-alcoholic, it's fine. Beep, 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 beep. Next message coming through. Message number six or seven. Can't even remember. Well, hello there. I am the time traveler. I've been everywhere. I've been to the future. I've been to the past. I've been to the very far-flung future. And I've been to the very far-flung past. And let me tell you, we have great things in store and great technology coming. However, there is a power trying to stop the progress or maintaining its progress to some degree. You must grow flowers, plenty of flowers, because they are also technology. You must see the technology in nature, and you must see the technology within. It is all technology, and your technology will become like the technology of nature. They will be virtually indistinguishable. Diet will become an important factor. And in the future, humans will no longer eat and they will no longer be human. Humans will transpose themselves into and evolve into another type of creature. But anyway, that's my message. Goodbye. Oh, well, what happened there? I don't know. Uh, I'm awake now. I fell asleep for about 10 minutes. I feel like some messages came through. I don't know. How is that for you?
Back to you, PQ. Wow, we have our very own Edgar Casey. Oh boy, we're <laughs> kicking us right off with some serious uh, and a variety of scene. And uh, I do have to say, uh, the idea of uh, biotechnology and is somehow uh, creating or nature adapting to a point. Well, I don't know. I often posit, and, and here's an interesting uh, and offbeat theory that I carry in the back of my head that I may not have mentioned. I am pretty sure that plants, especially like groups of trees, commun can communicate with one another. I, 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 I believe so. I think that happens. And plants that are in the same room, uh, I, I think there is a form, you know, almost like a swamp thing, Alan Moore-like sentience. But uh, who knows? Who knows? But I like the idea that uh, somehow uh, we could form a internet of minds in a much more organic fashion or somehow make it so that if we have to go into some information grid as data, we're still somehow in some nature. I don't know. Maybe nature, it's, it's, the, the term natural uh, is just overrated or something. I don't, that, that's a really interesting thing. And uh, yeah, the terms like happy that some seers of peace or you know that's the one thing you know in our culture seers you know when people are looking for a seer you know it's not the fortune teller they want somebody to tell them you know they're going to get some good nookie and uh, this is the one or watch out for the man in blue or you know what people they're and I think we all know at least one person who lives by some odd creed like astrology and charts, or they have a psychic who they confer with. And, you know, it's, re it's relatively harmless, I suppose. I mean, it's no worse than uh, any organized religion if you step back a couple steps. I mean, if this is how you wish to operate in this world, and it helps you function. I mean, that's the real key. I mean, just functioning day to day becomes and has become in modern times uh, quite an adventure. So uh, anything that allow. I mean, if you need a psychic or, uh, you know, you need to talk to uh, your Swami, Swami River will be uh, available for your consultations and uh, yeah I'll tell you everything's gonna be all right because everything in the long run if you don't panic is I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't need to be a seer this is just what I've seen in life avoiding the panic mode is so key to almost any crisis problem uh, yeah as long as you keep breathing mm -hmm. and I need to tell myself that quite often and uh i'm 
I am not the infallible one who doesn't fall into needless uh, mental turmoil and emotional turmoil. No, no, dear friends. Uh, sometimes I am up to here, and I'm holding my hand up at uh, above the brow line. <laughs> and other times I, I, I do uh, some. I'm still here, uh, despite all the... Uh, oh, man. Uh, but a good start to our essential. Uh, thank you, Eddie, for, uh, oh, man, a, a plethora of personalities providing um, wisdom and ideas. And uh, speaking of a plethora of personalities, our friend Chad Bowers, uh, he can also display a, a vast array of ideas and approaches. So uh, I'm as excited as anybody to hear what is coming down the pike from the incredible True Facts of Space and Chad Bowers. So uh, let's listen together. How do we see? Your eyes uh, saw these biological structures cones uh different types of cones and there's this nerve this optic nerve and it goes right through your head you know there's holes in your skull to hold your eyeballs and uh that optic nerve cable goes right back through there it's about an rg60 it uses those uh f-type connectors prevalent in the cable industry but uh that's how we were created and it plugs into our visual processing unit uh, which again is more wetware and um, likely using all manner of tricks with the laws of physics that uh, you know are on the edge of understanding but we know that it only sends information you know only information and it appears to be a voltage gradient of the electrical signals that come from the eye and there is also patterns associated with different colors so these signals are a combination of patterns and uh, noises uh, intensities of noises as well as patterns um, coming across the optic nerve into the brain. The brain then uses uh, prior knowledge to hallucinate a representation of the, uh, the visual data that's come in. It's sort of like a, a map making. Or Now to see what I mean, what I'm talking about, You've got to use the uh, interpretation of words to see what I'm saying in this case. So that might work if we share meanings enough. But the more our meanings differ from one another, the uh, by definition, we're in a different culture. And cultures generally clash because people have developed in a way that they like for meanings to have uh, certain meanings and not just any meaning. It makes things easier or harder, I guess, or uh, more fun or more difficult or, uh, you know, who knows? It does something. 
there's some reason that uh, that it seems to be preferred. I think the um, idea is that well, to see what I'm saying, you have to uh, have a familiar enough understanding with the way I'm thinking that the words I'm using will make sense to you in describing the thing that uh, we're visually talking about or mentally talking about. Some of these are constructs or ideas. Perhaps you see the problem already, but to sum it up, reality is the sum aggregate of all that is real or existent within a system as opposed to those things which are purely imaginary. Now the problem comes in that we have to imagine the thing before we can conceive of it. Even if we see it with our own two eyes, we still have to imagine it. And our visual center of the brain uses all its pattern-making capabilities and we construct a reality out of the limited information presented to us. And the reason uh, for that information is that at some point it was good for our fitness. It led to uh, us passing our genes along to another generation. So it is odd that we define reality as a sum aggregate of all that is real in opposition as opposed to those things that are only imaginary. And yet we're stuck with the problem that the only reason to think or say anything is the idea that you might share it with another human because the rocks or the trees or the earth doesn't care, you know. It's not considering these things at all. So we're considering things. What's real? What's imagined? But the difference between the two is really hard to define. You know, if I were uh, running to be a Supreme Court justice and someone said, Mr. Bowers, can you define reality? I'd say no. You know, I can't. Um, can you uh, determine or, or define the color green? You know, I might be something uh, kind of vibrating. Cones, in my eye, see energy vibrating at 555 nanometers as far as its wavelength. When it sees that wavelength, I perceive it as green. And of course, either side of that until you get to the next color. Weird, huh? Yeah. What's going on here? I tell you, as far as seeing things, they have focused the shit out of that uh, James Webb Space Telescope. I think we're going to be seeing some uh, infrared treats in the years to come. You know, the James Webb Space Telescope. We're going to be able to see the composition of exoplanets, uh, and what they're made out of, right? And uh, be able to see them beyond Mars. So it's going to let us know where 
the new home might be, you know. Have some Battlestar Galactica situation going on. I need to go back and watch those ones where they came back to Earth in the 80s. I was uh, hearing Frank talk about that, and it was making me kind of miss them. I remember the motorcycles that had the, kind of the plastic decorations on them that they used on their Viper fighter jets in space or fighter spacecraft. Fighter spacecraft. I liked the way they launched out of those uh, tubes, you know, those launch tubes. That was a feather in Battlestar Galactica's hat that Star Wars uh, didn't have, you know. Battlestar Galactica had the coolest launch sequence out of Star Wars, Buck Rogers, Star Trek. You know, what did Q see when he uh, was among his own people existing as light? You know, sounded lazy, right? Oh, they were light. Well, well light's a vibration. You know, it's like offensive versus defensive weapons, right? Well, it kind of depends. If uh, if I got a hammer in my hand and you're attacking me, it's defensive. If I've got a hammer in my hand and I'm attacking you, it's offensive. You know, Tom and Jerry could figure this stuff out. These uh, people are stuck in roach motels, eating dinner at Holiday Inn and roadside 56 with the big boy from Shoney's standing out there serving pancakes to little Sambo in the Waffle House with that pecan flavored syrup or the boysenberry from IHOP that could get you slightly drunk because it was always fermented nobody wanted the boysenberry is the boysenberry full yep Yep, that one's full. Doesn't need filling. I can see it from here. The boysenberry's all filled up. Now, James Webb Telescope, uh, it's supposed to see before uh, reality started. So it's going to see the, the something that was there before the nothing was there, and then before the nothing became something. And it's just going to look like a bunch of noise. It might look like static. Remember how an old television set would come on? Sometimes it would slowly expand to the corners and it would power up with the color and the picture becoming stronger until it steadied out as a full screen. as a last little bits of expansion happening along the edges. You'd have to be old. You'd have to need a colonoscopy if you need a colonoscopy you might remember a television that uh, that worked that way you know a television that was like the one my my father built before i was born he built a Heathkit television that had a uh, remote control unit and the remote control unit was a uh, you know physical mechanics all the the gears and uh and whatnots of the actual tuner and then the wire essentially you ran it along the wall under the carpet to the tv so you had a remote control but it was wired you know that was the that was the heath kit way of doing things it was a, a cartoon cat it liked the lasagna also 
but he never got popular for his love of lasagna. He did, however, have a thing for clockwork, as you might expect, for clockwork mice, as you might expect, uh, and also for those F connectors that seal up the end of the uh, RG59 and RG60 cables that run from our eyeballs back to the visual processing center of the mind. Uh, these cables allow the mind to make sense of the vibrations in reality and translate them into colors and whatnot, patterns. You know, it's a hell of a thing. We're so sure of ourselves. That's the... Uh, that's the irony of it all. Some of us have seen how thin that line is, but the uh, the breaking point in the, in the mind between a careful, coordinated, solid reality and absolute um, mad hatter through the looking glass, down the rabbit hole, uh, through the infinite, ending up in an old... Uh, hotel from the uh, 70s in some other reality where aliens watch us and we just look in the mirror every day and we say am I still David Bowen am I David Bowen here I'm gonna share something with you this is um, a very powerful meditation it's the uh, it's the most powerful word that I've been able to come up with, and, and you're free to use it in your own uh, transcendental meditation. Uh, it's, uh, I am me. I am me. So very powerful after a while if you keep doing that. You'll be able to um, fix burnout LED light bulbs. You'll be able to unto spread. Hell, that's something I've been able to do for years. Untoasting bread is something that I've thought about franchising or selling as a service. Um, toasters as a service, is that a new model for toaster software I'd like to um, kind of work in the field of managing toaster software for individuals toaster software and toaster planning software uh, as well as wireless toaster technology now is astronomy ready for the James Webb telescope well, are you ready to get your ass knocked off? Because you're going to love it, butter boy. This ain't whistling, Dixie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, boy? <laughs> I ain't just whistling, Dixie. Hell, I'm talking to my girl, Dixie Clementine. Pomeranian with magic powers, Enjoys traveling in the car with me to Lowe's and Home Depot. I usually take a moving blanket in with me and I just toss it in the uh, in the cart and take Dixie in. And she gets a lot of attention from other people. They stop and talk to her 
and uh, you know it's it's a fun way to send a, spend a Saturday afternoon. We really enjoy seeing the birds. And we sit at our kitchen table, and there's sort of a, a bay window there that looks out over a hill. And this hill, I've got three different bird feeders on it. I've got a platform feeder. It's got big black sunflower seeds in it. And then I've got one of those uh, things from Wild Birds Unlimited. It's like a big, it's like a big cylinder of uh, of bugs worms and things all mashed together and you put it out there and the birds poke on it and eat it and then i've got this uh, third pole where i've got some suet and this has got a lot of fat in it there's a lot of new mothers out there there's a lot of baby birds right now and they really need this fat you know we've been feeding them that since uh since probably i don't know october or so they're still eating the hell out of it and then the the last feeder is really for the finches, and uh, I've got some really beautiful bluish colored finches. I've got uh, solid gold, entire body, like literally like the Pantone color for Woodstock from uh, the Peanuts gang, you know? Snoopy and, and Woodstock. That's a good relationship they had going on. Didn't have to talk a whole lot. I always admired Snoopy. I love the way that he had that uh, bigger space inside his house uh, than the house was outside the house. And you know what that's like? It reminds me of that thing, that science fiction-y thing from the BBC. Oh, what was it called? Uh, Escape to the Country. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking about. Escape to the Country, where things are bigger on the outside of the box no strike that mark me when things are larger inside the box then the device itself is outside the box sort of like the trick they did with the uh, james webb space telescope man they unfolded that thing like origami all those thin layers had to stretch out did you see that thing it's like a italian wedding cake coming to life out of a toothpick unfolding itself and maintaining a healthy firm meringue i love carrots cucumbers and zucchinis all of your zebra related vegetables everything with the uh everything with the uh with the skins on it that you uh, tend to take off do you eat zucchini skins i i do I do sometimes. Frank, I had some uh, vegan oatmeal the other day, and uh, I think they gypped me, man. I, I, I don't think there was anything different about it than non-vegan oatmeal. And then I got thinking about it. What the hell in oatmeal is not vegan anyway? And I guess the answer comes down to uh, beef fat, uh, rennet, uh, human hair, and uh, red coloring number 49. Now, I couldn't find any difference, but I, I did eat it. And um, I 
just figure you're kind of proud because, you know, you're having an effect on people. You're radiating thoughts into the world, and those thoughts are, however subtly, affecting the actions of others. I don't know why I bought those Amy's uh, vegan dinners, but I thought they looked interesting and they were tasty. So there you go, Frank. One small step for a man. One giant heap for all of mankind. It's time to recycle that heap. Spread it out over your own garden. Grow some corn so you can do that Mexican corn. I had some Mexican corn the other night as a side dish to a fajita that I ordered. And if you don't know, the Mexican corn is grilled. And it has this cojita, uh, cojiba cheese all over it. Cojita. Cojita. That sounds like a detective, perhaps, obscene, wearing a leather jacket, hanging out with Beretta. Beretta had that bird that always uh, spied on people and told them who the criminals were. You think Go-Go Gadget could be a serious show about uh, a man that had these gadget powers? You know? Could it... Uh, could it take itself seriously and do a good job with it? Like a young Roger Moore from uh, The Saint? Perhaps we'll film it in black and white with Albert Broccoli uh, in the background using a pixel vision to do some behind-the-scenes work. Something we can screen later while we're sitting together having Café Allais. Jean-Luc? Jean-Luc. What was his name? You ever look at that Hubble deep-field deep picture and uh, and just think to yourself, man, I'd, I'd wish I had that printed on the wall. You know, I wish that was on my wall. Maybe on my wall at work. I need to get some graphics or some posters up there. Uh, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel the same, right? I I, uh, I don't know what I want to put up there. I want something, I want something inspirational, but without being one of those inspirational posters with the text and whatnot on it. The animals, and the, the things, that became uh, a thing. It grew in popularity, it became ubiquitous, then people started making jokes on it, and then the jokes on it became so popular, and then you really can't tell the difference between which one are jokes and which one are really inspirational advice anymore, and uh, so it sort of imploded on itself in a fit of irony, and it doesn't really have many hand-holding pegs on which uh, you can photograph the object as a whole and see it as you need to understand it. It's not going to happen. When people are talking about things they've seen and 
you know, great wars they've been in, and they're kind of like lamenting it, you know, but but sort of that self-important reflective quality. I just feel like, man, who are you? Rutger Hauer? What is this? Some kind of uh, Blade Runner moment? Yeah, I know about the Blade Runner. A guy that uh, died in my kindergarten class from running with a pair of scissors and stabbed it right through his abdomen. He died of a peanut allergy, but that happened just before it. The uh, the stabation of his chester region, his chestorial region, there was a stabation uh, right through the stomach bag and through the uh, the cord of the spine and right through the uh, exostructure along the uh, the ridges in the back. The bony elements. The spiny albidius. That's uh, earth you're looking at there. That little period off in the distance. Boats in front of it the size of salami logs. And frogs bigger than logs. Kind of frogs that hopped on logs in the game Frogger. We had those little sections of the hedge cut out. A little man every week came and kept those sections clean, cut out. It's about five foot wide by about five foot deep, and, and that's how big the frog was. That frog could uh, basically uh, ruin a city block. When one of those cars or a truck ran over a frog, you know, the video game world didn't show the graphic reality of what was truly at play there. Or what may have been, right? We can't say that it wasn't. You know how that is. There's always the things you can't prove. You can't prove that, uh... You can't prove. You, you can't. You can't prove. You ever see that horse head nebula? I think the most important thing to remember about the horse head nebula is that it looks more like Jar Jar Binks than it does a horse head. And a lot of this is only because of shading and a little bit of gravitational lensing. And it's also the perspective at which we're looking at it. Uh, from other angles, it looks like a penis. And still, from other angles, it looks like the letter T. But it's a cloud. It's just a lump of dust of an enormous, unfathomable scale. You really can't even see it. It's just too big. You just gotta imagine it. Just imagine something right outside of your imagination after you've imagined the biggest thing that you can. Double it. 
and then expand it by 10% and round the edges and just go around like dough, pushing on it. Like you got a bunch of phyllo dough rolled out or you got yourself a pizza rolled out and a 16-inch pizza, but now you've changed your mind and you're going to make a 20-inch pizza. And if you keep pushing, you start to get tears. You know, these are uh, nothing serious. A little bit of an ointment applied. Uh, you'll be right as rain in a day or so. So, with that advice, I want to leave you. And I hope you see what I'm saying. Back to you, PQ. Oh, I, as always, that was just great, Chad. Uh, both an explanation of why my vision is blurry, kind of. Uh, seeing and some seeing that you have seen. Uh, and uh, I was able to see and concur uh, for the most part, if not all. Uh, birds. <clears throat> birds. Oh, man. I, I, I could just hang out with you and the pup watching birds in your backyard. There's something really fascinating. Here we have these huge obsidian I guess they're ravens, crows, and we got the little young crows that travel in flocks that come through. Uh, a lot of uh, pigeons, doves. There's Las Palomas, which is what this region was known as uh, before it became more settled. It was Las Palomas, which means the doves. And uh, there's a wonderful bird sanctuary north of here uh, that people come from all over the world to check out the bosque el bosque and uh yeah we were you were talking about that new that new telescope that is a remarkable seeing aid for sure that that and how they had to line it all up and focus it this is uh even i have to admit that this is something beyond the scope of i mean i can't even put together this uh 150 something piece lego thing uh it's just daunts me i look at this and it's like all these pieces and these diagrams and i'm like oh, what, what what did i get myself into but i will do this there will be progress eventually i'll i'll, I'll hit that special mode and there i'll be but uh all the the thing i don't i'm not a big bang guy and uh they they're talking about it as if now it's a foregone conclusion and not a theory and i just don't see like yeah and end with static at the end like somebody shut the tv off here and then they turned it on here uh i'm kind of hoping that when they focus it way far, way, way far, way far out there, uh, they're just going to see that there's maybe some gaps, but then there's going to be more. I, I really think that the universe is infinite in a true way in that it just goes on. It doesn't end. It's... I. The whole idea that the universe has an end somewhere and they're going to focus the telescope and it's going to say Kilroy was here at the end. Yep, the big punchline to the whole thing. Uh, yeah, you never know. 
uh, just seeing. I really wish we'd have gotten uh, the artist Shaman Q in on this. I had hoped, but uh, I'm sure that we will get some sort of follow-up and stuff. There's uh, some projects going on while they're in town uh, that they're taking care of, but I do think uh, there will probably be a few uh, goodies before they uh, disappear back into their other uh, locations once again. And uh, I mean, as long as we're going to talk about seeing, uh, self-professed seers would be the people who uh, might have some sort of interesting thing to say about all that. But uh, one person we all know has something interesting to say about just about anything is our uh, one and only Frank Edward Nora. And yes, it's time once again to turn your ears over from uh, my dulcet tones to his dulcet tones. And uh, yeah, let, let's hear what Frank has to say about all of this. It seems the central mysteries of existence are the ones that are most intimate to us. Of course, the number one mystery is the most intimate is consciousness, right? We are conscious. We are observing this. And yet it is one of the greatest mysteries. How could consciousness exist? And what is it? But yet it is us. It is all in some ways. It's all we are. Right, talking about the uh, the consciousness, the experiencer, the observer, and then what's being observed, right? That is essentially all of what we are, the observer and what's being observed. Or, as I've said in the past, it's all we can really know, that there is an observer and there's something being observed. But seeing visuals are a huge part of that uh, of what is being observed, right? So we talk about seeing, right? We're talking about, first of all, the, uh, sen the, the sense of vision, seeing. That is, we have essentially two cameras in the front of our head that let in light, and the light makes an impression on light receptors that then is converted to electrical signals that then then from the electrical signals to our visual experience that's where what is going on what is going on there's so many mysteries there also the nature of light right a lot of aspects of the nature of light is it a wave is it a particle how does starlight reach us holograms all these things super super mysterious and then additionally there is seeing in in the psychic sense right both, well, not necessarily in the psychic sense. We know that in our mind, we can see things in our mind. We can recall visual experiences. We can actually create right visual experiences in our mind. And in, in terms of dreaming, right, there's a visual component to dreaming. Absolutely. You're seeing things in dreams that you're not seeing with your physical eyes. Um, when, you, when you're visualizing or imagining things, you're seeing things in your mind's eye, as they call it. And then additionally, you, sort of utilizing that as a starting point, right, this, uh, the field of uh, psychic phenomena, uh, remote viewing, psychic communication, uh, visions, of uh, right, which we can't 100% know are, are true because somehow uh, there's some sort of uh, 
so there's some aspect of this where, for example, people who say they can re they're remote viewers, that is that they can sit in a room and by using psychic powers, they can see what's going on elsewhere in the world, right? Um, to me, it sounds like it would be a fairly easy experiment to have a, have a sealed room with something written on a chalkboard and have the remote viewer look and see what's written there. If they're able to get at that 100% accurately, you can establish something. I don't, I don't know how much of that's been tested, but at least at the level of information that we're at here, mainstream information, it has not been accepted as valid, right? Um, it's not a shared experience. So if you're standing in the same room as someone, generally speaking, you're seeing, you can see the same things. As far as your experience of seeing it, it could, if it's, for example, if the person that you recognize, you're seeing them as someone familiar. Someone standing next to you that doesn't know them is seeing them as a stranger, right? But they're seeing the same thing in general. But you're seeing the same image, but the interpretive layer, the overlay layer of meaning is, is, is different. But in general, right, seeing involves, generally speaking, a two-dimensional, that is a flat a field of uh, various shapes and colors. And in fact, with our technology, right, for example, with cameras, the original photography, well, let's go back before that, uh, with uh, with painting or illustrations, we know that the, uh, those cave paintings are seem to be rather old, thousands of, of years old, uh, where you can, uh, you know, draw on, on, on a cave wall, you know, hunting mastodons or whatever. Um, then, we, you know, painting, right, more deliberately with a more consistent medium, uh, a piece of paper, a, a canvas, using various materials to mark that canvas or that paper and forms a visual experience. Um, to photography, which uses uh, chemically treated uh, film, right? And basically at that point, you're almost down to the level of film grain, that the actual photoreactive materials that you're using, right? If it's hit with light, it will change chemically, right? And then going through a development process, another chemical reacting, the, the parts that were exposed to light change chemically, perhaps become darker or become lighter. And finally, to digital photography, digital imagery, this is where we get down to something that's more of kind of a definition of a visual field, right? Basically, we break it down into a grid of squares. Though, of course, it could be broken into a grid of hexagons, perhaps, but it, we're just using squares in our technology as they're easier to use. And in fact, both would get you the same result because with a high enough pixel density, you don't see the actual pixels, right? But it does say that uh, what you see is a grid of what could be defined as a grid uh, where each coordinate has a, um, a color and an, and an intensity, right? And uh, so in theory, like we know our eyes are like cameras, right? And then the image is upside down in the back of our eye. And it's 
converted into electrical signals. Now, let's just try and uh, figure out, like, what are they saying is happening? Because you know, right now, if you're if you're seeing it now, of course, there. I want to point out before we get to this this part that, of course, it's interesting that our medium here is audio. We don't have any seeing particularly, but I do think that, um, like like all uh, radio, they call it the theater of the mind. I think that um, our shows are just speaking and talking about things do produce a visual experience in the mind's eye. Um, and then, of course, there are people who are vis- visually impl- impaired or blind. And we do have, I, I know of a number of blind listeners to, to the, the Onsug. Um, I think some of them, I guess, I guess I'm sure there's information out there, but what is the, uh, the mind's eye of someone that is visually impaired? I'm sure that someone who had seen still has that, the, the reference of what they had seen, but someone who's been blind since birth the mind's eye or dreams. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's information about that out there. But anyway, we are generally a non-visual medium. Um, but I do think that the visual is, is is a point of reference for all of us. I'm always talking about what things look like and what I'm seeing, etc. So anyway, so right. Uh, the same way a digital camera, right, or an analog video camera is getting light. It's hitting the back of our eye, and so there's receptors that are reacting to the intensity and the wavelength of the light, as we can see in color. And uh, <clears throat> it's being converted to a, a signals, electrical signals, that are going from the back of the eye into the brain. And this is where things get a little, a little fuzzy, because what comes out the other end is a visual experience where... Um, you have that grid, right? You have that visual field where each section has an intensity and a color, but then there's also meaning overlaid on it, right? And so you might imagine that in general, a bunch of uh, colors and intensities in a a two-dimensional field could be meaningless right it could be completely meaningless it, it just is a, a, a an abstract pattern but for our seeing we never see that i mean yes sometimes we do look at abstract patterns but we say oh my mind's interpreting that as an abstract pattern right there's a layer of interpretation a layer of contextualization and an overlay of meaning on what's in your visual field so i i think that the more traditional explanation is that um, that signal goes to a portion of your brain where the the information, and of course, you have to mention that uh, a computer file that's an image has has uh, right boundaries, the top, the bottom, the left, and the right. It only extends x by y pixels, like you know, nineteen twenty by ten eighty pixels for the for the old HD format, right? And once you get to the end, there's nothing else. For us, obviously there is a limit, but it fades out. So basically, when you're looking straight ahead, right, the uh, we have this peripheral vision, which is very mysterious. Like I see my, I'm putting my hand and wiggling my fingers behind my head. I don't see it, and as I start moving it slowly in a circle towards the front, 
I'm not seeing it. Oh, now I'm now at this point. See, it passes from I cannot see at all, and then now I'm looking forward and the wiggling. I'm seeing the wiggling fingers in my peripheral vision, but I'm not seeing them clearly. And so peripheral vision is another interesting thing. It's like, well, what is it? Why couldn't you? If you're getting a visual signal, why can't you just see it? But you can't. This is an interesting thing. I wonder if someone could train themselves to uh, see peripheral vision more clearly. That I don't know. And as I continue bringing it forward, it gets more and more clear until I'm actually looking at it. Um, so I think that, right, so it's sort of like this, clearly a visual field. It seems like all that information is being, is part of the signal, but that in the interpretation process, so the idea is, let's, let's look at perhaps our, the most mainstream interpretation. The signal from the eyes, of course, there's two separate signals that help us form a stereo experience, a three-dimensional, adding a three-dimensional element, even though they're two, two-dimensional images, um, that the signals are going to a part of the brain that is then uh, cross-referencing or interpreting the pattern it's seeing, the pattern of, of light and dark and, and shades and colors, and um, doing this really mind-boggling inter- uh, calculation, right? Uh, matching patterns, interpreting uh, shapes, interpreting, uh, you know, even in terms of reading, like looking at the like the shapes of letters, right? Uh, an incredibly complex task of taking in an image and then um, apply- and then applying figuring out all of what it means right and then del- delivering that as a package now visual information plus all the contextual information and the information of what everything is delivering that to the consciousness right which in this instance i suppose would be considered another part of the brain the consciousness center you know um, but just right there, like right now I'm in my basement and I'm looking around and I see, you know, what are probably millions of different things. But in terms of, you know, in terms of every contour, every letter, everything. Um, but I'm looking around and I'm saying, oh, I'm in my basement. There's the ceiling, the floor, the walls. There's my cat Mo- uh, Mojo Fuzzo. There's a bunch of books over there. There's a TV set. There's some laundry, some chairs, some, there's a blanket, there's some pillows. Right, I'm experiencing the visual field, but then also this overlay of meaning. Right, so I think that uh, another way of looking at this is that um, yes, the reception of the of the light, the generation of the of the signal representing the visual signal, is in your brain but that uh, it's then passed off to a larger system. And so um, according to some, some scientists like Rupert Sheldrake, for example, uh, all living things right, share in, in this huge sort of common mind the connection of all brains, for example, 
And the idea is that this, what seems to be just incredibly intensely computationally intensive task of interpreting a visual field. And as we know, we can use optical illusions as a way to sort of understand the nature and limitations of this system to some extent. But it seems that the task of this kind of interpretation is 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 incredibly complex. So the idea is that all of us are utilizing a central system, which, as you might imagine, would actually uh, right, help reduce... Instead of inside everyone's head, there's a computer. There's a central computer, right, that is interpreting this stuff. And uh, there's so much overlap, right? What I'm looking at, what you're looking at, right, there only has to be one entry for each major object group and then all the sub-entries, like a chair, right? There's a, there, there's, a, there's the shape of chairs, right, and a stool. I also see it's a, it's a type of chair. Uh, all exist in this central system, right, which is then taking the visual signal and applying. Now, of course, because everyone has a different life experiences, right, you would be essentially applying a a filter to the results, right, based on your mind, right? But the idea is all of those things, like do you recognize this person, right, that's part of a code or a key or a filter that's unique to you, but that's already in the system, right? This Your memories and your perceptions and everything are in this shared system, right? So this so essentially we don't understand it but it is a cent, a centralized system for interpretation and so then it produces a signal an additional signal right that com- is in a way combines visuals and meaning that is then passed on to consciousness the observer and to me, this represents, this point of it represents a uh, a really central question. We can understand either an individual, an individual person's brain creating this signal, right, of meaning and visuals combined. Uh, and we could also imagine it being a centralized system, such as the uh, morphic fields or central consciousness, whatever you want to say, Right. But in the end, a signal is produced, right? How could that be delivered to whatever could be an observer? Uh, this is this is where things get incredibly mind-boggling. But yet, it is what's happening to us right now. We're experiencing that exact phenomenon. We are an intimate part of that thing that we don't we can't understand. This is, and this itself, the fact that. The essential, the essential aspects of our existence are so intimate and personal, and they're here now, and yet it is so difficult. We don't understand it. We don't know. We have no idea what's going on. This disconnect to me is another central mystery. How can we be it, and yet we can't? We're not aware of it. And one of my theories is that we are aware of it. But that, right, we're, if you imagine that 
at any given moment, you're aware of many different levels of things, right? Um, <coughs> that if you were to change the intensity of, of the experience uh, of your cognition, let's say your thought process, making thoughts about the current situation 100,000 times more intense than the aspects of cognition where you really do understand what it's all about, it, it would completely sort of drown out that level of cognition, even though it's this, the cognition is still there. So really, this aspect of just seeing itself, looking at something and what's going on there, really defines the central mystery, the complete central mystery. Like I'm looking over there, there's uh, two Trivial Pursuit games stacked up. How do I know that? How could I be experiencing it? It's, it's, it's a complete mystery. Um, now, when it comes to Starlight, this is something I've been, and I've read about this, and I really, really struggle to understand it, right? And again, there's there's layers of interpretation here. So what is a star? You'll go outside, even in New Jersey, with terrible light pollution, you can still see a few stars. Or planets, which look like stars at this from this perspective. Um, it looks like a point of light in the sky, right? And the mainstream, again, <laughs> explanation is that uh, there's this enormous... Uh, sphere of burning gases with nuclear reactions similar to our sun. In many cases, these stars that we're seeing are thousands of times larger than our sun, but they're so far away. We, as far as I know, have never seen, I don't think with any telescope of any sort, a disk of a star, right? They're always just points. Um, but my concern is the nature of light, right? The idea is that light, the nature of light is mysterious because, for example, in some ways it acts like a wave, right? You, you know, you th there's, there's a pond and you throw a rock in the pond and these ripples come out. So it's a wave in the sense that it, there, it like, what is, what is, what are those ripples? They're made out of the water. They're made out of the material that that they're in, but it's a pat. It's a repeating pattern. But it is not a thing unto. It's not a physical object. It's a pattern of energy, right? But also, it acts as a particle, right? You know, shooting a you know like shooting little BBs out of a gun. Like it's a particle and a wave. And I think this is where it gets really confusing. I know there's the double slit experiment, which I think it's talking about the quantum level where, um, right, there's a there's a, a one slit and then there's two slits. And, in, and if you were to shine a light through there, um, it would produce a pattern on a screen because of the interference of the photons with, with each other through these, right? But if you were to put a, a single photon through, it shouldn't matter because there's no interference happening. But the single photon, if there's a double slit, acts as if there were other photons interacting with it, right? It gets to this level of the, the quantum where 
they really say nothing exists until it's observed by a consciousness, which feels very counterintuitive. But that's one of the things that's said. Again, this is mainstream understanding of what is commonly referred to as quantum physics. Um, so, right, I think that if light is a particle and you imagine a, a star, huge and intense, shooting out quadrillions of particles every nanosecond in, a, in, a, in an expanding sphere, right? Every, from the moment the star was born, a star is born, um, right? A sphere of, again, talking about the particles, a sphere of, ex, an expanding sphere of particles is shooting out from the star, right? And um, if you might say, when it reaches a thousand miles from the star, which is very little, there's a quadrillion per square inch of light particles. Okay. But then as this sphere expands and now it is a hundred million miles in diameter, right? A square inch would have to have less particles per square inch, right? In our understanding of particles, there's only so many particles that were shot out and they're expanding. And this, so imagine the surface of that sphere, right? There's less and less particles per square inch. When you're talking about interstellar distances, uh, light years, right? The surface of that now, a, an imaginary sphere, well, maybe not even imaginary, actually a sphere that represents <coughs> the light particles that were shot out of a star at a particular moment ago, right? If you want to do one light year, right? The sphere that represents all of the light that was emitted by that star one year ago, right? A light year in radius, right? Um, so the number of of light particles per square inch on the surface of that theoretical sphere would necessarily be have to be a lot less. And it would have to get to the point that there would be, on average, less than one per square inch, right? Would, would, would you have to, if it's a particle, you it would have to agree it would be less than one per square inch. And then the chance of, a, of once you keep going, the chance of there being a particle in one square inch would be extremely low, right? So my, my first question is, right, how is, if it's a particle and you're looking at a star, the chance that any particles are going to hit your eye, we're talking about hitting your eye, not just hitting the earth or hitting our solar system, hitting your eye, the little tiny part of your eye that's open, the, the little iris, the little, little black part in the middle there, it seems impossible, right? So then they, they're saying, no, it's a wave, right? Now, of course, a number of years ago, science talked about ether, A-E-T-H-E-R, ether, or is it aether? I, th I think ether. Um, ether, which was uh, the theorized, just like a pond that ripples needs to have water in order to ripple, there needs to be some sort of medium to have a wave, that ether was the medium for light. That's uh, right. And the idea is that, so as a star is emitting light, it's not emitting particles, it's actually creating a wave in the ether, right? And if there's um, because some some stars that are much more distant 
are much more faint, there has to be some sort of uh, aspect of the deadening of the waves over time, right? Otherwise, every star in the sky would be equally intense. But yet, it seems that uh, as a wave, again, it's these an endless series of waves creating an ever-expanding sphere of light around one star. Um, and if you look in the sky and if you imagine billions and billions and trillions of stars, that any imagine a cubic inch of space, right, anywhere in deep space, would at any moment the ether in that in that cube of space would be containing quadrillions of waves uh, of various uh, <coughs> stars going in all different directions, and that sounds very it seems very counterintuitive. So I was reading up on this. So someone said that it is a wave, but that it does not exist as light until you see it, right? In fact, they're saying it doesn't exist at all. It only exists as a potentiality. That is this huge nuclear reactor in space, a giant star, a thousand times larger than our sun, pumping out mass amounts of uh, light and energy. It doesn't really exist until you look at it your act of observation causes there to be a visual experience at that point. Ugh. So, as you can see, even getting into... Um, these are mainstream interpretations of it, which sound fantastic, like fantasy, right? Um, now, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't mention some other people think that the stars are actually much smaller and much closer... And that they're on the firmament. And then, in fact, one of the videos I watched, someone did <clears throat> zoom in on stars as much as they could using telescopes and such. <clears throat> and uh, they saw them as uh, just shimmering, bubbling kind of objects. And I know the explanation for that is, oh, atmospheric, whatever, this and that. But it's not actually a point. It's actually sort of a, a rippling effect. And they're saying it's because they're small light sources that you're seeing through the water in the sky, you know, the firmament, and there's some sort of liquid aspect to it. And I know all these theories of the flat earth and the dome over our heads and everything else turns people off. I understand that. I think it's a necessary ingredient in, in terms of a, a, a mix of ideas that we have to sort of keep in our minds while facing the complete mystery of it all, you know. Anyway, I don't don't if you, if you can't handle it, don't worry about it. I'm not trying to say you can't handle it. I'm just trying to say these ideas are not. It's not one or the other, right? We since we really don't know what's going on, we can't throw out any ideas completely. I know I'm very probably fairly alone in that philosophy. I know most people would rather completely believe or completely disbelieve something. And that's fine. I, it's just not my bag, baby. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, so that really... So there's a lot of mysteries in that aspect as well. So then what about seeing? Because I have actually 
um, the interior seeing, the mind's eye, psychic visions and everything else uh, are something that I'm really interested in. And dreams, you know, the visuals of dreams. Um, this is really interesting because as I'm as I sort of visually am remembering things, the the this I think is uh, the like if I open my eyes and look at something, right? So I'm I'm looking at what will I look at? Uh, there's a there's like a box of Legos over there. All right, I'm looking at it at an angle, and now I close my eyes and I'm visualizing it. The experience is I am in my mind's eye seeing that, but it's a very different kind of experience. It's very hard to explain. It's not as intense as that visual, actually opening your eyes, a visual experience, but it but it is still achieving the end result that I'm actually seeing seeing it in some way. But I find I find even as I'm doing it, the mind's eye is um hard to understand, like what is happening as I'm seeing this the same thing that I just saw. I'm reproducing it in my mind's eye. I'm doing it, but it's hard to understand. I'm seeing it in my mind's eye, but it's hard to understand how I'm seeing it. Or the experience is not just less intense. It's just a very different experience. Um, but anyway, we can talk about someone who's like a seer, right? Someone who can uh, receive information. So so we know that we have uh, in, inside of us, we have this system where we can rec- both recall all of our sensory information. And remember, sensory information is not just limited to the five senses, but there's also cognition or thought and emotions, which I would say are a different type of sensation than, than thought. So that's at least seven senses right there, right? Um, and then recalling all of those seven senses, remembering how you felt, remembering what you thought, or remembering any of the senses. And in fact, being that um, I've been vegetarian since 1987, which is a hell of a long time ago now, it's 2022 now, um, I can still recall the taste, because I before that I ate meat. I can recall the taste of Burger King hamburgers and uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and and pork chops and 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 hot dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like pigs in a blanket. I can recall almost completely the taste. It's so strange. It's it, but you. I can remember, and it's. I have not eaten any of those things or tasted any of those things actually, for what thirty. 35 years now. Uh, but I still can sort of completely remember how they tasted. Um, so seeing, right, in the mind's eye, it, so we always talk about seeing, it is absolutely established that we can see things in our mind's eye. So the idea is then, is it, a cl- is it completely closed off? Is it just inside our head or are we connected to something larger i think i think in the most mainstream interpretation it's all happening inside your brain and it's not connected to anything else it's completely cut off the idea of psychic phenomena that is you're able to uh, uh, ascertain information from outside of your head would seem unlikely 
But if we're part of a system, right, we're all using a shared system of, of experience, memory, I, I would hesitate to say consciousness. I think this is the interpretive layer. Consciousness is something else, but, right? So I'm using the same system that you're using. If there's a way to sort of, and the reason why you're, you have a different experience than I have is because each of us has a particular key or filter going into that system, right? That defines our particular um, understanding of things. If you were able to play around with that key, you would be able to obtain information about other people and about other events and everything else. That's why when they have these, uh, there's a very popular TV psychics that claim to be talking to the dead, right? And uh, I think that if you were, if it, if we are on a shared system, right, which would most likely transcend time. Uh, and you could sort of access that person's code, you would get to know things that person knew, even if they're no longer here. The code would still be there, right? And and you could see things that they saw and know things that they knew without actually communicating with them. You see what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Um, <clears throat> but I still feel that the lack of being, if someone's claiming they can so it's either remote viewing just as, again, there's a field of information out there and you're able to access aspects of the field of information that you normally can't versus the idea that you you can sort of detach, like for, say, your astral body from your physical body and actually go into the room and look at the chalkboard, right? So they're, they're, those would be two, um, you know, sort of supernatural vectors for ascertaining the information. Um, I'm going to write down a six-digit number on this chalkboard in laboratory strictly controlled conditions you you cannot know what those numbers are you're sitting in a room somewhere else in the building and you are now going to utilize the technique of remote viewing or astral travel or what have you go into that room look at that chalkboard and tell me those six numbers it's all you got to do right so You would think that this experiment, if this is a true phenomenon, this experiment would yield results. But apparently it does not. Though I don't know. Maybe there has been. Because, you know, there, there's been tests. Oh, you know, what did I draw on a piece of paper? I see an animal. You know, things like that. Something like that, you know, is, is less. Because you could sort of trying to understand what, what would someone have decided to write down. But if you're using random numbers that are using a, a, a true random number generator, there's one online that uses uh, atmospheric static to generate the random numbers. There's no human intent behind it. Because as it turns out, when you ask someone to come up with a list of random numbers, it, almost inevitably it's not not as random as true random numbers. Anyway, it could also be that um, there, and this is a bit of a stretch, but to say that, um, how to word this, that, uh, if someone was able to, through remote viewing, see a chalkboard in another room and tell you the six digit number 
and it and it and so it that would that experiment and that technique would then ev eventually become part of our mainstream understanding of the world that occurrence is something that is part of a filter on our world where it is it is psychic the psychic experience is not meant to be a part of our world right so that any uh any sequence of events that would lead to it becoming a part of our world that is the acceptance of remote viewing for example is prevented right there is a kind of a a filter or an algorithm that prevents it from happening so even though someone could easily remote view and see the numbers somehow there's confusion or miscommunication or the research is suppressed there's some no matter what something would happen that it wouldn't get out you see what i'm saying not like a conspiracy but on a on a like almost like on a deep level of how reality is running there there is a sort of imposed an intent of how this world is supposed to be and things that would sort of go past that are prevented that's i i understand it's kind of a fringe argument but anyway Seeing in all its forms is hugely mysterious. And I didn't even get to the whole hologram thing, which whenever I try to, whenever I try to figure out, well, how does it work? They're like, well, you have two beams of light, a reference beam and, and this other beam. And then, no, but what, what's going on in that piece of plastic or piece of glass that's creating a three-dimensional image? In fact, I just saw that there are, from the past, they made perfect color holograms in glass what I, there seems there's holograms if, if, if you look up holograms now it's all about holographic uh, collector's cards and things anyway that's a whole other topic but it's a part of seeing holograms the hell are, how the hell do they work really if you were I got to the point where someone was like yes if you take a microscope and look at a hologram you'll see a bunch of light and dark specks in this three-dimensional medium. Okay, how does that produce a three-dimensional image? It's very hard to figure out. Anyway, light is mysterious. It's essential part of our experience. And but our our show our channel here is does not use light. We use sound waves, another kind of wave. At least we sort of know what sound is in a way. We well, we know it's a signal of ups and downs that in this case is transmitted through vibrations of objects and vibration of gases in the in the atmosphere yes seeing back to you pq yes sir mr nora we be bumping molecules around and storing them uh, so that they spring out of people's speakers in the future and uh kind of reproduce the experience of uh, if you had been sitting here in the Quake Reversal satellite chamber with old PQ River, uh, yeah, could I just have a seat over here and uh, I'll drivel and play you some of these files and uh, we'll talk. You want to talk? Oh boy, uh, that was that. This was a great and thick and deep topic all the way around and uh, many thanks to eddie uh chad and frank for uh it, it that was definitely 
thick brain work all the way around and some good monology stuff. Uh, high quality work all the way around. And uh, here, 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 we made it another Monday. Oh boy, we're, we're running a streak now. No quake reversal satellites, but projects are happening. Uh, things are shifting around. Uh, we're hanging in here. Uh, and, uh, oh man, the onsuggery. All kinds of things developing. and Well, we'll keep you posted of all that. Uh, but right now, uh, what I am going to do is urge you to participate in next week's Overnight Scape Central. Uh, the topic we will be discussing next week right here is madness. Oh, yeah. How's that for a rich topic? You think you can come up with something there? I bet you can. And uh, here's how it's going to work. The deadline. This is the last episode of March 2022. So your deadline for the next um, Overnight Scape Central is around 7 p.m. And that's Mountain Time, uh, USA, uh, Greenwich Mean Time, minus 7 uh on april 4th 2022 that's next monday uh get it to me you know it's, it's, it's do it now why wait till the last minute that way you are assured of being part of one of the most remarkable series of internet transmissions in the history of history oh yes and you really should uh because everybody has something to say about madness and uh the email address is uh, for to send these files to kpqr.torc at gmail.com. I'll say that again. kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Yeah, come on. It's a, you can even send two contributions if you like. There's no real limits. There's no real rules. I mean, uh, I think just about anything you do might fit the topic madness in some way or other. And uh, again, I think this is something, since we are all people who live the life of the mind, uh, Yeah, it, it's one of the uh, side effects. Yeah. And another exciting episode of the Overnight Scape Central is... Uh, completed for and and listen to them all i dare you if you can uh i take my hat off to you uh i have but that's because i was here for all but a year of them and uh jimbo did it for a year and it was a lot easier to listen to make shows so that 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 was the easy part of the whole thing oh man someday someday i will hand this mantle down to some worthy podcaster somewhere like the end of a man of a thousand faces with Lon Chaney just handing the makeup kit which of course never really happened in real life but uh, I, I, I don't see this happening I, I, I suspect that uh, no living person is, that I know of uh, is going to take on this uh, th this uh, yoke Oh, and I'm not yoking around either. Uh, of weekly uh, artistic uh, servitude, 
but uh, it's a pleasure. It really is. And uh, it's been part of my life for how many years now? It just kind of wandered off into Wednesday. And, and Anyhow, uh, we will be talking to you sooner than later. If not, the next Quake Reversal Satellite will be here next week right here on the Central. And do join us. Uh, join the madness. Oh, yes. And indeed... Set the controls for the heart of the fun.